Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. I'm Jesse here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we're talking about Nyad. Nyad is a 2023 American sports drama film about swimmer Diana Nyad and her 2013 attempt to swim the Straits of Florida. It's directed by Elizabeth Chai Vazzarelli and Jimmy Chin in their feature film directorial debut. We, uh, well, I know them from directing Free Solo a couple of years back, which was a documentary, which was awesome. Um, and Nyad's written by Julia Cox, based on Nyad's autobiography, Find a Way. And it stars Annette Bedding as Diana Nyad and Jodie Foster's in a supporting role. First thoughts, Brianna, how'd you feel about this one? I very much loved this movie. I'm a sucker for a sports movie. And it wasn't necessarily like a sports movie that I had seen before. Mind you, I grew up in the era, I feel like it was an era. It was an era for me of the like, remember the Titans and I almost said Glory, like that's a sports movie, but that's not the one that I meant. Glory Road is the basketball Thank you. one. Thank you. Yeah. Like, Pick a black te- a team of black folks and coached by a white guy and they're given an inspirational, that was the mantra of yeah. this era type sport movies so they like build you up and then they break you down and it wasn't necessarily like that because in all of those other movies you have a lot of other things going on outside of the sport itself there's typically like family drama and all that such um but this really stayed true to her competing like it didn't further develop a lot of the secondary characters except for in relation to her. And yep. like, I thought the acting was, was so believable. Like this looked like utter hell that she was voluntarily putting herself through again and again. And even when other people told her to quit, she was like, no, I will just do this without you. I will do this without everybody I trust. I will find a team I am picking up off the street and I will achieve this because it's what I want to do. And that was not something that I had seen in other other movies to this extent. It just felt very brutal, very raw and very unfiltered. And I was hooked. There was not a single part in the movie where I was like, is this done yet? I was just from start to finish enthralled. And I think that Annette Benning did a phenomenal job. Looked crazy at the very end when she's trying to walk up the beach. And it was brutal, but it was great. What did you think? You're right. It's a sports movie that doesn't get distracted with other things in the athlete's life because what they're doing is all, all encapsulating. And maybe that wasn't your point, but I got that from the movie and I agree. <laughs> My main point was that I am, I grew up on sports movies, so I'm drawn to them. I very much want that like triumph. And that's what this movie delivered, but in a way that I had never seen before in a way that was unlike the early 2000s sports stereotype movie. Yeah. What is your thought? What are your thoughts and opinions, Jess? I'm with you on the I love a good sports movie. I tend to like the ones that are a little more emotionally manipulative and overlap with some different like social justice stuff. Um, The things that get me are like that. Let's come together. We can do this speech when the coach has everyone take a knee so he can like tell them what it means to the community and each one of them like that is the thing that makes me sob in the theater more than anything else. We are Marshall or remember the Titans. You remember what you mentioned, like those are just like kill me. And maybe it's from being like out of a jock in high school and just like, I don't know, hearing so many of them, but I'm with you. I do love the, like everyone working together for triumph. We were both team sports people. So I think that some of this is also us like, having a tiny bit of nostalgia of like, yeah, like the team's going to do it. We all love each other, right? Our own temporary family, all of that kind of stuff. So, which honestly, I know that like, this isn't every queer's experience, but really does overlap with queer family and a lot of that, like 
I still talk to people I played sports with. I don't know. It's just a kind of another example of finding your chosen family, which is not exactly what this movie was because <laughs> it's just swimming is this long-term swimming is solo, but it does still take a team. So the team effort of this was, was pretty cool. I liked this one. Jodie Foster looked amazing in this one. There were multiple times where I was just like, damn, she's looking great. It was good. I'm not sure so it's like my top you, five of the year, but it's great. So not the top five. Is it the top five sports movie for you of 2023? Yeah, because there weren't that many sports movies. I do feel like the number of them has declined since the early 2000s, which brings me to my next question. Back in the 2000s, which coach do you think delivered the best come together speech for you? And when I mean coach, I mean what actor got you the most in your feels or what movie got you the most in your feels when it came to coaches? Because you talked about that speech. Boy, there are a lot of them. I think what happens for me when I think of one, a bunch of them kind of just start smashing together. So like, we've already mentioned Remember the Titans a lot, but when Denzel makes them all fucking run <laughs> to Gettysburg so we can talk mm-hmm. about like how everyone died there and they died over real things and like racism is a real thing and football second. It's just like, oof, okay. Yeah, that is legit. Not to mention when Denzel's saying it, you, you shut up and listen. So that's a big one. It does kind of. Then I go to We Are Marshall, the one I mentioned earlier, where, you know, Matthew McConaughey is standing on graves telling his team about like life and death. And it's like, oh God. So those are some big ones. Miracle is one of my favorite sports movies. Um, but that one is more because the team tells the coach, hey, we're a fucking family and you can't just do whatever you want with our family. Um, which is a kind of a smaller moment, but like that's the moment where like you know that this team is a family because they won't let the outsider in. I don't know. What about what about for you? What are your like sports speeches that come to your brain? I mean, okay, so I'm never gonna recall like a a speech, but we'll say top sports movie is Remember the Titans. So it would be Denzel. And I say his name that way because there's an interview where he tells a TV host, he's like, actually, that's not how you say my name. My name is technically Denzel because my dad's name is Denzel and I was named after him, but my mom got tired of neither of us responding. So it's not Denzel Washington, it's Denzel. And I thought that that was very funny. But that run to Gettysburg and all of that really just gets you in So definitely him. But I also think sports and sports movies just hold a special place for me in relation to you because without sports, you never would have come into my life Um, because you would have had even more reason to avoid me like the plague because we met shortly after you had been denied uh districting for your softball team you were forced to come over to the mill creek team and you were so mad we were standing outside of cedarwood elementary to register ourselves in line and that's where my mom met your mom and then we were introduced to each other and i was in fifth grade so 22 years ago our lives became forevercly forever intricately intertwined because of sports yeah that was also when they wouldn't let me play with the boys anymore so yeah, I, think you were just, a, I was just mad. <laughs> you were very upset that day. And I was just like, oh, mad. <laughs> yeah. And then I wouldn't see you because we weren't on the same team for years. So I'd only see you as the person that I was beating and come over and try and talk to you. Um, Clearly, I'm not the athlete Excuse in you. this Excuse relationship. You. I think you mean um, being beat by, but please go on. <laughs> um. Okay. We could look at the records, but I don't think y'all beat us every time. I'm sure that we did. I have, I have no doubt. Also, if you can dig up those I records, also love, I will be genuinely impressed. <laughs> um, Alicia Fitzpatrick keeps documented records. I still, I just saw the massive poster photo of us go, uh, my team winning championship. We were in maroon, and anyways, I'm digressing. Another great sports movie that I love is Coach Carter. 
Coach Carter oh, yeah. when Samuel L. Jackson locks them out of the back out of the gym. Gym. I had to think about what you call the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because I was like, absolutely. It very much gave me like Danny vibes, like Coach Danny. Like, no, you yeah. gotta get the good grades. I'm like, you can't be an athlete if you don't have good grades. So shout out to to Danny. But yeah, I was just I was curious what ones sing to your heart or speak to your heart. Yeah, that's a good question. Everyone has like sports movies that I feel like are really good. I mean, I also really like Jerry Maguire, but that's like a different kind of sports movie to me. The big question for me, and we've, we've talked about this a little, but like, let's let's really hash it out. Would you ever join the Straits of Florida, Brianna? No, and I'll take it a step further. I am in a relationship with somebody who considers them to be an athlete. It has been an adjustment as a non-athlete sports enjoyer to adjust to the level of an athlete that she is and what that means in a relationship. After watching this movie, I can staunchly confirm that I don't think I am cut out to date this level of an athlete. So not only (laughs) could I not do this myself, nor would I want to do this myself, I also don't know if I could be in a relationship with somebody who (laughs) wants to do this because as we saw in this movie, it's very difficult to bear witness to somebody risking their lives, putting themselves in danger for something that to you, yes, feels important, but doesn't feel that level of important. I really struggle to even motivate myself to go to the gym. I could (laughs) plan the shit out of this training schedule. I would have all of that done. I'd have the timeline, but the execution and the commitment to proving my capabilities is not something that at least in athletics, and I'm saying a lot of areas, but at least in athletics, I've never had that drive. And I feel like you truly have to have drive and like determination to push you through all of those devastatingly difficult like she was having anaphylactic shock reactions and she still was like yes I want to keep doing this was still mad that she was being pulled out of the water that will not be me that will not be me um I think it's very admirable but I don't know if I believe in myself enough to achieve that feat, nor would do I want to do the work to get there to believe in myself enough to do the feat. But I think that's why I'm not an Olympic level athlete. I think that's why most people. So, yeah. Yeah. But it also I'm makes me wonder, like, do you think other Olympic athletes would do something like this? Like, do you think they push themselves this hard or do you think this is like a another realm of athleticism because this had technically never been done before? And Olympic athletes is like something that you're capable of training for, yes, to be the best, but like, to me, this is more extreme, not just sport, but like extreme athlete and not necessarily an Olympian, but I feel like you'd have to be Olympic caliber in order to compete or to even attempt something like this. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's probably a similar drive that gets Olympic athletes to be the best. I assume, you know, for them, it takes a whole team as well. I feel like maybe what makes Nyad so special is that hers was something so uncontrolled so she needed her athletic ability on top of her team on top of like literally the ocean and weather to and animals to cooperate with her and i feel like the the thing about the olympics is that it's fairly controlled and not that there's no danger like all kinds of sports can have a certain level of danger but i feel like when i see olympic athletes i don't think wow, they're risking their life every day. But when I was watching Diana and I had, I was like, wow, she's risking her life a lot, frequently. Especially because, you know, this was her fifth attempt, I believe. So 
they had been through this so many times. And, and as you were saying earlier, it does really take its toll on the people around you. And so what I think is true of her and Olympic athletes is that you probably have to have a certain level of what I view as selfishness, the like, no, it is me. It has to be me and no one else. We can't like, you can't let go of that. Otherwise you'd never make it. Because for me, the moment that I don't have the drive to do this, but if I did, if I got, if someone made me like mad enough and told me I couldn't to, enough and like tortured me with it, I might eventually get rageful enough to try. Like knowing me, I might revenge try to do this. But the moment where I would stop is where my best friend was like, I can't see you do this. You're ruining my life. It's taking its toll on me. That's where I would have to be like, okay, I'm done because I also don't want to hurt everyone around me to do this because it's important to me to to love and cherish those around me instead. So, yeah. you know. And I mean, I think that we can even dive further into that because I do think that like at that point, I remember feeling and thinking like, oh, you have taken this too far. And the only reason why we're able to say it was all worth it is because it was accomplished yeah if she hadn't this would be a tragic story about how she tortured her friends and and how she died trying and it wouldn't be like it, it would have been a totally different story and so at what point like you need obsession you need passion you need drive but with anything at what point does it become distressing at what point does it become unhealthy because I'm sure from her friend Bonnie's perspective, this was unhealthy. This was distressing. This was destructive. This was unwell. And, but from Nyad's perspective, this was worth everything. Like she was willing to risk everything, including her life and her friendships, everything on her worldly life to achieve this. And is that something that should be emulated. This is how you get to these things, these accomplishments. But like, I don't know. Honestly, this feels like a a regular human conundrum. Do we push ourselves all the way to the limits and risk our lives or do we not, right? And I think it probably boils down to your individual thing. But at the same time, people who have pushed it and done something no one else has, like, I highly doubt any of them regret it. You know, I'm sure the first people to climb Everest weren't like, ah, we shouldn't have done that. (laughs) True, true, true. Because climbing Everest is is also a, like, ridiculous feat. Hmm. And on top of that, she didn't want to use any of the protective factors. Now, bitch, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But because it was also, like, accomplished the swim without a shark cage. So to me, that'd be like accomplish climbing Mount Everest without using oxygen. Yep. Which I am sure there are do, people yeah. do. And also. Wild. <laughs> yep. People do it's it. It's fine. It's wild. Yeah. Speaking of that, or kind of like running further with that, do we think the rules to all of this are fair? Because. I think there's, as this movie came out, there was all kinds of articles like, oh, this organization says she accomplished it, this one didn't. And it all kind of boils down to the rules of of what she touched while she did it. And she did have to put the suit on that could only be zipped from the back. So she did have to have a diver come zip her suit up. And so technically she was touched while swimming. And also I believe she had her ankles wrapped. Um, so two tiny things. Talk to me if that's not your understanding. I have the understanding okay. of what the rules are that were shared in the movie. And so if there were any rules that weren't shared in the movie, then I don't have knowledge of them because I did not do additional research into what all the rules were. Okay. For me, however, my, as you saw my face immediately, it was like, eh, when they were like, oh, they zipped her up in the ankles. Because, and I'm sure this is exactly what people have debated, her clothes are not her body. And so if you are touching a zipper, you are not touching her. Um, If you are touching a wrapping material and she's holding it to start, you are not touching her. But I also think to me, 
it would matter to me what organization's rules matter to the person. So like if she was saying, oh, this one organization that I really wanted to recognize is saying I didn't do it, then I would unfortunately respect her feeling that like she had not accomplished it. But I also think it's hard to, like specifically with swimming, and no, not even specifically swimming, the question being, are the rules fair? The not stopping, the not being touched. And I guess I would liken it to the Tour de France and and stuff like that. Like if you have to like pedal the entire time and if you can't stop, like then then yes, you can't be supported by your team. I think for me, it gets a little tricky when you're like, I can't get out of the freaking water to take a shit. I can't like what that. And like, those are the rules that I would find um difficult to adhere to but i also understand like you're getting a rest every time you move i also think in regards to touching somebody if that touch does not aid in resting right then it shouldn't matter because that means like are you disqualified if when you're attempting to be fed the hand slips and touches your face like what 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 is the minutiae? I think that it should, that if it doesn't aid in resting, that it should be fine. Yeah. But I, I thought the I agree were brutal. Yeah, I agree with you. I think she, in my mind, she absolutely accomplished it, no matter which organization says yay or nay. Yeah, even if her skin was touched by her coach, so she, her ankles could be wrapped, like you said, it wasn't helping her swim or rest so yeah boogie on also if someone had to zip up her suit because on the third and fourth try she got stung by fucking jellyfish like boogie on reggae woman get that suit on and live your dreams i don't know i understand rules technicalities you need all of that kind of stuff to keep it fair but if this is as close as someone has gotten it feels a little ridiculous to be like well ankle wrap disqualified her like that's that's rough I hear you, and I can also hear Aquila being like, okay, but that's like that's why you got to know the rules of your sport. That's where the competition comes in because it's the technicalities they're going to get you, and you can't argue with the judges. And I'm like, motherfucker, watch me. Watch me argue with the judges. Also, um, as she has seen in the NFL, sometimes people say they're an eligible receiver right in the face of the referee, and they still say, oh, he didn't say he was an eligible receiver. So Rage. even when you know the rules. Rage. I feel you. Yes. Oh, I wasn't expecting. Uh, I wasn't expecting you to bring that up. Um, I'm going to need a warning next time because. Sorry. Rage. I was there with oh. you. I was like, there he is right there. Doing it. Oh. oh. I know, I'm sorry. He was I'm sorry. <laughs> in front of you and you're saying your eyeline was on the other motherfucker over there but you can't uh, see somebody standing so anyway i know um uh, uh, yeah rules matter rules matter so. it's true rules do matter all right i'll try to transition to something happier <laughs> less rageful <laughs> let's talk about best friend films oh because ultimately this is okay yeah this is a film about besties and even more rare, it's a film about queer besties. So mm-hmm. we love some of that. And I, I even mm-hmm. like that they, they had to do what everything has to do and be like, so why aren't you two together? Because all the straight people are like, oh, perfect. If, if you're queer and best friends, then what else do you need? No, not how life works. Sorry about it. So what's your question? Did you already ask it or did I? What are your best friend films? Talk to me about your favorite what best, are my best friend, friend? films. Okay. What immediately came to mind was Thelma and Louise. Same. My first, the first movie I was going to say, but then I was like, ah, that's very queer denying of you, Brianna, but it's because I love the movie. Um, it was going to be Fried Green Tomatoes. And then I heard your mom's voice <laughs> in my head. They're just friends. And I was like, nah. Um, so that ah. movie got eliminated because they are, I mean, in fact, lovers in the night. 
They um, are, but that is a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. It's such a great movie. We should watch it and talk about the queer undertones since it's one of our favorite movies. Oh and God. I can talk I'm about so how right. I was high the first time you showed it to me and then watched it like five times that week. But And then got us both the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed. Thelma and Louise. Uh, I think it's honestly like they died for each other. Yep. And they they protect they they killed for each other, and that was not the intention. But that like that to me is the is the epitome of like friendships and relationships are, are why we're on this earth. Like nothing too outstanding or spectacular was going on in their lives except for this relationship and like they were able to have one hell of a time together and it's great I genuinely enjoyed the banter of but I thought it was a very very funny um and shows like they never had for queer representation there was never any sexual tension between the two of them it was just like queer people supporting each other trying to get their dick sucked and it was great um, <laughs> even though they had their whole fight and all that jazz plus it was hilarious so I'll say those two since I was just put on the spot but since you've been thinking about this question do you have other best friend movies that are your faves so the first one that comes to mind for me is actually Bridesmaids I feel like Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph in there even though they're like you know straight girls <laughs> I felt like the friendships that they had in there were fun and real and kind of quirky in a way that I feel like a lot of real friendships are so that's kind of one that comes to mind it's also one that's really fun to watch with your friends <laughs> the movie just friends kind of comes to mind not because it's about best friends but because us and our friends watched it so much it doesn't age as well as you would like. <laughs> it ages horribly. Jesse, I was like, Aquila, we have to watch this movie. This movie is a staple in my high school years. We have to. And then, like, 10 minutes in, I was already horrified. I was like, oh, my God. I promise this was funnier. When did we watch it? What hand did you slap? Every oh. other joke is homophobic. And oh there God. are a lot. That's... Blueberry. <laughs> Oh, I love Ryan Reynolds. Also, Booksmart. Booksmart is a good one. I love the the besties in that one. So, Thelma and Louise is probably the, like, iconic best friend movie, I would say. At least for for women, especially. You didn't ask about shows, but a best friendship that just popped into my mind that I very much loved. A League of Their Own. So Maxine and Clance, I also think is a great example from A League of Their Own in 2022, a great example of best friendships, because I'm pretty sure at one point Clance even said, tells her husband, like, I need time with this person. And like, they're just yeah. so supportive and so loving of each other. And it, it, it just, it just warms my heart. Another thing that you didn't ask, but that I'm going to answer anyways, is if there happened to be a show about two best friends that were also therapists that had a third best friend that just doesn't really fuck with that, but also what's the word I'm looking for? Entertains like I'm, humors. Humors. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I need to humors them. And it was just like a sitcom about the day in a life. And they were making great choices, but also making terrible choices. And just like all of the trials and tribulations. I think that would be one of my top rated shows. But alas, it doesn't exist. Got it. I will noodle on that. That kind of just came out of right field, but I could noodle on that. What about left field? Isn't that where it comes from? Is that what the saying is? It came out of left field? (laughs) Well, I prefer (laughs) mine comes out of right field. Heard it both ways? Um, That's right. Both ways. Both ways are great. (laughs) Shout out to Psych. (laughs) All right. Yes. (laughs) Okay. 
I do want to mention one thing about this movie. Oh, okay. it could be in Jesse's bothered corner. We'll bring okay. that back. Okay. Why was there so much product placement? There was so much product placement. Did you feel like the first half was a Pepsi ad or or a Petco ad? Oh, sorry, Diet Coke. It was Diet Coke. <laughs> there was so much Diet Coke and so much Petco stuff in like the movie. You didn't. You didn't notice. I did note. Okay. No, and okay. normally I do. So okay. I have to go back and look. I won't. Okay, I have it in my notes here a couple times. But. So I have a question here, and we, this doesn't have to be part. I just I'm. It's just general wondering here. I believe when she's talking about what we have described as like drive and like that, she talks about fate and destiny. Mm. Do you think that those are real things? Oh, you're taking it meta. Do I think fate and destiny are real? Y'all, you should have seen my face. I was not expecting him to ask me that question. I'm also, yeah, I just want to know. I just kind of want to know. We can, This doesn't have to be part of the pod. I'm just curious. I think to a certain extent, yes. Um, I don't think it's predetermined. I think we have to actively choose to make it a reality is the simplest way to answer that example being this movie i think she was in she was given the draw to water the draw to swimming she was given the the tools to be able to achieve that i.e like her body her uh athleticism um the way her like mindset works so like she was kind of given the the materials and then when presented with opportunities that would take her one way or another, she consistently chose ways that were taking her towards this. And I think, again, you could call in privilege and, and oppression that like she had different identities that also aid in fate, but you might have a lot more obstacles in your way based on identities you hold. So achieving that destiny might be easier and you might not have you might not be forced to give up but that like even if all of those obstacles exist because of identities you hold I do still think it is possible to manifest that destiny because again choices it just becomes more difficult to make those choices and to access those opportunities so yeah that's fair yeah I think essentially we are our own destiny, which is what you just broke down. I think there's sort of like multiple ways to look at destiny as like a everything will happen the way it's going to happen or like, no, this is what I need to do to get there. And I feel like one is a little more effective. I think I'm with you. I think choices essentially create destiny. So whatever that means. So you don't think there's like a pre-written plan? Nope. No, I assume in other timelines, I have a hundred different jobs. <laughs> I assume given, I have a different job in everyone. <laughs> given very much everything everywhere all at once and Doctor Strange with all of his possibilities and there's only one possibility where Thanos can be defeated to only have his head cut off like 10 minutes into the final movie. So... Okay, weird spoiler alert for Endgame, I guess. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> there is something that I wanted to mention because I think it got more traction when the film was released. So back in 2022, Diana Nyad wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post where she advocated for trans women to have a essentially separate but equal competition. Uh, category to and like her approach was I mean she would say rooted in science but it was not rooted in factual science but her approach was basically that cis women had to fight for so long in order to get equity in sports and allowing trans women who were post-puberty that was her clarifying thing trans women who were post-puberty and had gone through puberty as males being able to compete at the same level and in the same category as cis women was an unfair shot 
due to her understanding of the science. She, I, I have to say, I did read the, the op-ed and while still turfy, was probably one of the, the nicer turfy articles that I had read in that it acknowledged the humanity of trans people and how difficult it must be to have to go through additional barriers of a sport you love being told that you can't compete in this sport. You can't achieve all of these accomplishments that you've worked so hard for. So she's still in this op-ed is asking for a way forward that does not disadvantage trans women or cis women. All that to say, her argument is still rooted in turf ideology and is still negatively, it still had a negative impact on the trans community. Fast forward to December of 2023. She, I don't know, she, I think I'll say she sat down with an interview or for an interview with them or them wrote an article where she retracted her statements and made the new statement of, I stand with trans athletes and, and trans women swimmers. She says, I am today firmly on the side of inclusion. Trans women athletes deserve our utmost respect. I stand with them in the world of sports and in the fight for full equality for all trans people. She goes on to say, I have come to understand that the science is far more complex than I thought and that there are clearly more educated experts than I who are creating policy to assure, ensure that elite sports are both fair and inclusive of all women. I regret weighing in on that conversation and any harm I may have caused. And so I think it's important to provide opportunity for people to say, I fucked up. I have since learned why my original opinion wasn't accurate. I have gained new information from the appropriate people, the people who are the experts in this field, and now firmly say that my previous statements are wrong. So I'm glad that she came out and that like, A, her original argument seemed rooted in her understanding of the science and now that she's gotten a different understanding of the science that she's changed her her viewpoint i wonder if this is something that she would have changed if nyad hadn't been coming out because this came out or i i saw this article around the time that nyad had come out or was just about to come out so i'm wondering Jesse, your thoughts on the timing slash how you're feeling about the, like, if you read the op-ed, the original op-ed slash how you feel about her taking responsibility of what she said and her apology. Yeah, I wasn't really familiar with her, so I didn't really know her thoughts until doing research, like, for this movie. So pretty much by the time I was familiar, she was kind of already apologizing, so... I didn't really track that. Obviously, I'm never a fan of turfs. I understand how people get bad science, but it also feels a little weird to be a journalist and not do your research before. But I don't know. There's a lot of transphobic science out there. So it's, I don't know. It's tough because obviously we don't agree. We're here for an apology, but it's a question I constantly run into of like, how much do we require people to do their research before they have opinions? I feel like I constantly have this thought. And honestly, I ask people and there's no like general answer. Like there's even like surface stuff. Like the other day, my uncle was telling me Jeremy Allen White was Gene Wilder's son. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I don't know if that's true. And he was like, nope, it's absolutely true. And then I went to the internet and then, there was a bunch of fake articles saying so because they had the same hair, but they were no way. Related. So I'm like, my dude, I can't even trust you anymore. Just making up lies at Christmas Eve. Like how thought we were, thought we were family. I was just going to point a, a thing of correction because I don't want to give her so much credit in that, in her Washington post up ed it does sound like this is research that like, not that she'd been given bad research, but that like the, she was in the, camp of i believe the transphobic research and uh, that gotcha. maybe over the next two years she had been the the research had been shown to her in a different way or that she had she'd been swayed to what i will say the correct side that the the evidence that was coming out the research that was coming out and that was existing was overwhelming 
in being against the transphobic research that then she changed her mind because I mean her op-ed does have a decent amount of like research tied to it so I don't think she was ill-informed and just writing an opinion I think she was like I've done my research this is my opinion based on my research and now she's like okay my research was wrong I'm sorry I reinforced that wrong research with my opinion I back this research now yeah that's fair. She's also a different generation than us, so honestly, she's ahead of most of her generation. Not that that is the bar we should set. You know, she's in her, what, mid-70s now. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that, they, like, the, again, apologies and, res- like, taking responsibility for the words that you've put out there is one thing, but I would be, because she has been part of groups that have advocated for the separation of cis and trans athletes. So I would like to see like, this is what you were doing back then to push this research, to push these ideas. What are you doing now to push the correct research and the correct ideas? Yeah. So follow through with the action. Let's see. Yeah. Cause I think the truth is if this movie wasn't made, I highly doubt she would be in the news at all. And no one, she wouldn't be under fire or scrutiny and probably wouldn't have at least so publicly apologized if them wasn't like, hey, here is a platform if you want to rethink any of that, especially because, I don't know, a lot of the queer community is trying to get behind you. So <laughs> let's make sure we're inclusive. The thing about TERFs is they're like, and, and I, I maybe we shouldn't use the word for her, but the thing about different queer folks that have a problem with trans folks is like they're just not paying attention because we're all struggling we're all in the same <laughs> we need to we need to punch up not down you know one of those kind of things so yeah everybody in power wants us to fight instead of change that and i just it's so hard when people get stuck in that yeah it's prejudice within an already marginalized community and yeah. it's like we already have fighting with people who are not part of our community. Why do we need in fighting? And, yeah, we don't. And I know this is kind of what we were going back and forth in regards about before the podcast in regards of using the language of turfs. And I don't necessarily feel comfortable labeling Diane and I out of the turf, but saying that like this op ed is a turf action. Like this is a turf yes. standpoint because she does identify as a feminist. And yep. she was advocating for the exclusion of trans women or yep. the, seg- the segregation, separatization of trans women. So in that way, this is turfy, but that doesn't necessarily yep. mean you are turf. You are turf. Yep. Right. But like you said, hopefully going forward, her actions are in solidarity with her trans swimming sisters. And then, you know, that's all we can really do going forward. We're watching you, Nyad. Yeah, at least right now, honestly. Might forget about her in a few years, but I don't know. I'm like, this is a cool story, but she's just not someone that like I'm gonna... I think she was briefly a journalist, too, and it's like, cool. I don't... I'm proud of you. I'm glad your family still likes you. I also thought it was great that we saw a queer story that had nothing to do with people not accepting her as being queer. Like... Yep sexuality was truly not part of this story nope like didn't come up with people not wanting to work with her didn't come up in like exclusion from sports like like there was there was nothing this is a sports movie about an athlete who happened to be gay and we wouldn't even know that if her best friend hadn't been highlighted in the movie because there was no romantic relationships Absolutely. And I haven't read her her book, but no, none of the articles I've read have mentioned like significant others that were significant enough to mention. So honestly, it feels like that's the way you should tell the story. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how she could have time for a significant other if she's trying to swim 110 fucking miles to another country. I mean, I do hear you. Plus, we know how much you prefer when movies just focus on the main thing and not the supporting romances. 
Correct. That's a, that's a <laughs> I don't need a romantic feedback plot. on Rustin. I do not. I do not need a romantic B plot. Let's stay focused, people. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Look, if I'm signing um, up for a rom com, great. Let's lean into it. But like, if we're not. I don't need you to force one into the story, you know? And movies just fall into that so much. Studios think it's important. I think we That's should not. operationally define what you mean by force because I think Rustin segue like included that in a very natural way. Okay. But this, yes. Sure. This this would have if they were like, Oh, we gotta get the gay girlies really involved in this. We gotta give you some love interest. What if you like are lotioning up Jodie Foster's arms and we just like shoot in on that and make it slow and sexual could we build tension if they'd done something like that i would have been like okay that's that's for the the queer baiting that's getting me interested in queer love and queer sex and i'm being like psych it's just about swimming that's true but since i brought it up what did you think about jodie foster's arms jodie foster was looking fucking fine in this movie i don't know maybe she's just She's the right age. I have no idea. But something about her in this movie, I was just like, she is looking great. Also being sun-kissed, I think. Because she's always been very tonal and very muscular. Yeah. Not like shredded, but like like an athlete, like a runner. And then the sun kiss on her skin really highlighted that. Yeah. Also, her and her partner were at the Globes last night. Both just looking fabulous. So The Globes. Yeah. Also, happy award season to you. Happy award season? Wait, are we still going to do the Oscars thing? I mean... That probably. we did last year? Okay. Probably. The thing is, we I have to figure out how much queer content there's going to actually be to see if it's worth covering because okay. it might be like just Coleman Domingo for Rustin. And if it's just that, then... And even that is a maybe right now. So we'll have to see. Did any queer movies get nods in the, in the gloobs? Okay, well, I guess Nyad had some nominations. So this, yeah, this that we've talked about got some nominations. Both Jodie Foster and Annette Bening. Okay. But the Globes split drama and comedy, and the Oscars do not. So everything becomes more competitive for the Oscars as far as how many things get nominations. So I think Annette Bening will get one for lead. I don't think she'll win. I think Emma Stone will be here for poor things. But I think she'll get a nomination. And then Coleman Domingo for Rustin. But like I think again that'll be it. But at least we would have one queer actor playing a queer part. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm forgetting. Boy, there's so much sex and poor things. I guess you could make a case. I don't know. You said sex and poor things. Yeah, there's oh my god, I just saw it. First of all, it's a great fucking movie. There are some icky scenes, but like still a great movie. And there is some sex that's just women. So it I, there's definitely a case for it being queer. Was there anything you would change about this movie? Hmm. Nothing really comes to mind. I thought the casting was pretty good. Oh, so I did not love the cross cuts of the real footage. I totally understand why they're in there. Um, so that way they could be like, hey, here's the real team. It actually took more people. But it definitely took me out of the story and made it seem a little less smooth when they cut in the real footage. And not so much the footage of like her swimming or her at the end. But yeah, specifically the team, because the movie cut it down to so few people, when they would cross cut with like 40 people, it was just a little jarring to see such different things happening i guess it didn't have the same impact for me but i do i do see what you're saying i also realized that i mean there was a b storyline maybe a c storyline because throughout the movie there were the flashbacks to when she was younger and swimming and her own experience with sexual assault that um, was kind from, of weird too from her coach mm-hmm. in that they didn't necessarily connect the dots for us on how it relates but yep. i was thinking of like it her desire to do this also kind of being rooted in that like would she have this much drive would she have this much determination to prove capabilities specifically in swimming if she hadn't experienced that like did she gain perseverance 
Yeah, is that like her like her villain origin story kind of a thing? In that like she wanted to prove herself or how did that shape her relationship with swimming? We weren't really given any answers. And so I would almost say that that part, like while necessary because it speaks to her as an overall person was unnecessary because I didn't even really remember it until like I asked, what did you think could have been yeah. done differently? And because they didn't give us, they didn't tie it in for us. So it was very much left. I feel like it was left to the audience of like, you can take it or you can leave it. And I, I guess I wonder what the reasoning was for keeping it in. And was that uh, Diana Nyad's choice? Cause I'm sure she had some say in like what was in and what was out or was that strictly a directorial decision to aid in like the complexity of the movie? Yeah, I'm not sure. I thinking about it now, cause I had forgotten those scenes until you brought them up. Thinking about it now, I think because this is a true story and a real person, I'm not very bothered. But if this had been like a, a narrative or something, I would have been pretty mad about that because it almost would have implied you need to have some sort of trauma to be able to accomplish something like this. Or at least I would have connected those dots. And I don't like that. I don't think that looking at trauma as any kind of motivator, I don't like that story. Not that it isn't and hasn't been, but that particular lens to view it feels incredibly problematic. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't recall any justice being delivered. So Correct. it was very much just kind of like, this is a thing that happened. And like, did she even tell anyone about it? It's like, were we supposed to assume it was playing in her head when she got delusional, when she was swimming? That was a little unclear. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good critique. I'm trying to remember if there's if there's any scene where she talks about oh, you're the only one that I've told about what's happened to me. And I feel like she has that conversation with Jodie Foster, but I feel like I could also be, I've watched a lot of TV, so I could be misremembering. I don't remember that, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But I have a vague memory of her talking. Yeah, maybe to, she did. Of her talking to Bonnie and saying you're the only one I've ever told about that. And that, okay. I guess, I guess maybe if that's true, that we're supposed to have interpreted it as like this process of accomplishing this swimming feat was also her way of healing that traumatic experience. That she like truly is a good enough swimmer and she healed her inner child essentially. There was one hilarious scene in the movie where they think they're being petty. And she's like, oh, I can't believe you're coming back. And she's just like, well, I want to be the last one you see when you die. Yes. And I remember, <laughs> I remember being like, that's what Brianna or Casey would say if they gave in. Like, I want to be the last fucking one you see. Now get your ass and go. <laughs> uh, and that's how you know the best friend. Thank you for joining us today on Queer Watching. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating where you get your podcasts. You can also send us an email with recommendations or with feedback at queerwatching at gmail.com. Ta-ta! <laughs>